With just about the same amount of businesses being formed and dissolved every year, you need to make sure that you're on the winning side. In this podcast, we interview market leaders from global businesses that share their knowledge so that you get on the right path to success. This is the Black Box Business Podcast, and I am your host, Porik Canavan. Hello, and welcome to the Black Box Business Podcast. Today, we are joined by a legend within our industry, Mr. Richard Jackson of GateSafe. For the last number of years, 10 in total, I believe, Richard has, with his team, have um, been at the forefront of health and safety within our industry. It's an important topic. It's something that I think isn't given, at times, the due consideration. And uh, I hope this one is enjoyable. So please sit back and relax and uh, let's get on with the business podcast. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Black Box Business Podcast. I am joined this morning by a very special guest, a man who has a long history within the access control industry, the chairman of GateSafe, Mr. Richard Jackson. Good morning. Thank you very much for your time. It's appreciated. Uh, do you mind please telling our listeners how you found your way into the access control industry? Um, I started in Jackson's fencing over 40 years ago and we were selling timber fencing and steel fencing. <clears throat> um, and it became apparent that the security fencing needed gates and access control. So it was something that our customers led us into. Um, back in the 80s, we were very green, we didn't sort of really understand it, it was a fairly steep learning curve. Uh, but as time went on, we developed the expertise and you know, we're doing a, a fairly good job, I think, at the time. And what do you define as gate safety? And why is it so important to you? Basically, if you look at a gate, in my view, there is no way that anyone should uh, be injured by it or even worse. Um, and that includes the automation, the structure of the gate, the foundations, everything to do with it. Um, and all of that is part of what we're trying to improve in the industry. And do you feel that there is enough awareness of gate safety uh, in our industry currently? No, uh, simply put. You've got a variety of people playing in the industry. You've got the people at the top of the tree, uh, the large organisations. They're probably not doing a bad job. Uh, I wouldn't say they're doing the best job, but they're not doing a bad job, certainly. You've then got people at the middle uh, range, you know, a few employees doing it, um, and they are sadly lacking in a number of areas. And then you've got what we call the accidental installers, people that are asked by their um, employer, you know, can you just, and they go into an electrical wholesalers and buy a kit of bits, bits and think they know what they're doing. That's from the automation point of view, and then you've got the actual manufacturers of the gates themselves. Um, gates really should have three hinges on them. You know, it's standard for a domestic door. Why isn't it standard for a gate? And as yet, any um, or virtually no manufacturers do this. And similarly with the hinges, you know, they could be fitted in such a way that they don't create trap points and eliminating one of the major risks around swing gates. Okay, thank you for that. And you touched on manufacturers. Do you feel that they should have a much greater role in this? And um, should they be doing a lot more? Obviously, if you're installing an automatic gate, you are taking responsible 
responsibility for the whole installation, so the automation, the intercom, the gate, etc. But the manufacturers of the gates, in some cases, are fairly big organisations, and they could be helping the installer get it right without having to retrofit safety devices around hinges or that sort of thing. And um, do, you, do you believe that the industry should be regulated? And is it in, as in other jurisdictions, specifically coming to mind is Ireland where we have the, the PSA, which would be the, the Public Security Authority? Um, the obvious answer is yes, but it's something we've been lobbying government for for a number of years and there seems to be little or no appetite for any new regulations at the moment. Um, I also question whether it will get around the issue of the accidental installer. You know, all the while kits are being sold by the automation companies, they can fall into the hands of someone that doesn't really know what they're doing, doesn't understand what's associated with the gate. And until that stopped, uh, I think we're still at risk of having um, accidents and fatalities. So you would, you would like to see some registered fitters who would be the ones that would purchase these kits rather than, for want of a better word, DIYers that purchase equipment on the internet? Yeah, I liken it to buying shotgun cartridges. If you go to buy a shotgun cartridge, you have to have a firearms licence to prove that you're uh, safe to use them. And I think the same really applies with automation kits. They shouldn't just be sold to any Joe public um, because, you know, they clearly can't understand all of the issues around a gate. It's taken us 20 odd years to learn them. You're not going to pick it up in five minutes from a set of instructions from an inst installation manual. I agree. You know, I agree. And... I know that as a result of your expertise, you've been called upon to give guidance in, in, in certain scenarios. Uh, could you please tell our listeners a little bit more about that experience and uh, what type of questions have been put to you? Sure. Um, well, last night I took a call after, um, after hours, as it were, and it's a gentleman from a gated development, and it appears that there are upwards of 30 barriers, uh, boom barriers, <coughs> being installed in the, the, um, the complex. Yeah. complex. Um, and he is concerned they don't appear to have safety. Talking it through with a guy, I looked at the um, equipment that he gave details of, and without safety, those barriers are downright dangerous. You know, that's one example. And then earlier on in the week, we had a case where another gentleman had um, purchased a, a swing gate this time and it had blown over in the wind. Um, the gate installation company was saying, it's not my fault, it's a gate manufacturer's fault. The gate manufacturer is saying, it's not my fault, it's a gate installation company. And the gentleman that paid the bill or was proposing to pay the bill wanted help and guidance. And on that one, it does seem that the insulation company is doing the right thing with uh, a little bit of a push and a shove from us. And he's going to be addressing the matter and sorting uh, the gate out as it should have been done. And ultimately, where does the liability lie with gate installers? Is it the last screwdriver that touched it? Or is it the original installer? Or is it amalgamation of all? Where is the precedent in all of this? Um, it depends. Um, if you take a new installation, something under 12 months old, it will be with the installer. He's responsible for the machine. That's the gate, the automation equipment, the access control. If you go beyond 12 months, it would be the maintenance company if there is one involved, 
or if it's a factory that they're doing their own maintenance on, uh, it would be that organisation that would be responsible. As the go-to expert within the gate safety industry, and I know you're a modest man, but you have to stand on that platform. I know somebody has to. Can the end customer waive the liability? I often hear from installers that we gave the customer all the options under the sun and this is what they decided to do. And against our advice, they only had a budget for X and Y and not the whole safety as you would, as the GateSafe organization would like to see it. And it's a question that I often get asked. May I have your opinion on that, please? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, as the installer of the machine, uh, being the gate and the automation equipment, you are responsible for that and it has to be a safe machine. Um, no waivers, no disclaimers carry any weight whatsoever. So, you know, don't even go there. <laughs> and again, going back to her experience, paying attention to the various court cases that have happened in and around unfortunate incidences, we call them that. I suppose the charges that can be brought to bear vary from criminal negligence to a civil liability and all the above and in between. Could you, could you please uh, elaborate on that, given your experience? Yeah. If we take the um, accident down in South Wales, the HSE, when they were investigating that, they investigated everyone that had anything to do with that gate. So that involved the maintenance company that was um, currently maintaining the gate, the maintenance company that was maintaining it about six months prior, uh, the manufacturer of the equipment, uh, the original installer and the owner of the property. And all of those people were interviewed under caution. Um, in terms of the accident, as you rightly say, there was a case in Norwich where uh, criminal um, proceedings were brought against someone, someone was actually jailed. And that was um, negligence that um, caused that accident. And you can have other accidents where people just weren't fully aware of the implications. And again, without going on too much about it, maintenance is key. You know, there have been a number of occasions where gates have fallen on people. Um, and had they been maintained and people looking at the mechanical structure of that gate, uh, it wouldn't have happened. I think the real issue with gates is people tend to go through the gate to go to the office, to go to the workplace and they don't actually register that they walk through a machine. Whereas as soon as you walk into a formal factory environment, you see a saw or a lathe or a whatever, and it's clear that's a machine. So this is the very essence of the message that you wish to get across? Absolutely. Okay, so the machine directive act should be followed? Absolutely. Common sense should be used by the homeowner? Yeah. Or the end user? I don't think common sense really comes into it. If the machine is safe, it ought to be... Um, Safe for someone not using common sense. As an organisation, GateSafe, how do you help your members? I know that you offer training, but is there day-to-day -day advice? And how how do you? Um, the, the yeah, the training is the very front end. We're giving people an awareness of what they need to do. Uh, more importantly, we give them a manual that they can take away with them. In terms of the installers themselves, they also get entered onto the GateSafe website, which gives potential users access to GateSafe accredited installers 
near to their postcode. Um, and probably most importantly, they get access to a helpline. Um, so if anyone has a problem with a piece of kit, uh, with a safety scenario, or pretty well anything, they can pick up the phone and hopefully we'll be able to help them. Okay, and you're available, uh, you have a helpline that um, people can call in and, and gain some advice and expertise as well. Yeah, uh, as far as the um, helpline is concerned or the, the telephone line is concerned, lots of calls that come through are from members or users of automatic gates that are concerned about their equipment um, or the installation in one form or another and looking for expert help which is something that we um, readily give. In addition to that, obviously, we give the same help to any of the installers, whether they've done the training or otherwise. As an organisation, how do you get your message out there? There are various things that we do. You've got PR and social media as the obvious ones. Um, you've also got word of mouth, which is very important from um, people that we've dealt with. In addition to that, over the years, we've had a number of initiatives. You know, we've been to Downing Street, which was a, a, a great um, honour, presented a petition. Unfortunately, not a lot happened from that, but we were there and it gave us a, a lovely lot of PR. We've been to Westminster for um, various meetings with some key stakeholders, and that again uh, raises the profile of what we're doing. Um, and various other things, you know, we've now got over 1,800 people that have been through the GateSafe Aware training, and they're great ambassadors for us. Okay, and you touched on it earlier, you spoke about some of the political help that you've, you've looked to receive. Um, do you mind fleshing that out a little bit more for me, and what kind of reception have you received? Um, I think the reception that we've had, you know, from health and safety was very positive. Uh, they recognise the work that we're doing, they're quite happy to work with us. Um, but like a lot of government organisations at the moment, they're um, being squeezed for budgets and personnel. And you've then got the issue that, um, without using the B word, that has caused an awful lot of uh, confusion within government and it still will do. And there seems to be little um, time or effort available for anything other than what's the, the key agenda. Unfortunately, the safety of children and um, adults around Gates isn't uh, top of their list. Apart from the difficulty at times of getting your message across, what other difficulties are there in, when it comes to running a charitable organisation? It's probably very little different from any other um, organisation. You know, being a charity, there's close governance in terms of what we do and uh, how we do it. Um, all of the funds have to be kept within the charity. Um, but it is fairly similar to any company other than the fact you can't do what you want with the money. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. And uh, with regards new technologies out there and the manufacturers bringing more safety equipment to the market, uh, do you have any thoughts on that? And is there any particular technology that you can see coming a new technology or something that's coming down the road that, that maybe excites you a little. Yeah, the golden bullet as far as I'm concerned is it's got to be non-contact safety. If you take a gate with a pressure edge hitting someone, in my view, that's too late, regardless of the force that it hits you with. So non-contact would be, be the key. Um, lasers are available. They are not as um, easy to install as 
it would be nice to think they could be. And they are somewhat prohibitively expensive. And certainly in terms of small installation, residential, they're far, far too expensive. The area that um, I think there is a possibility for is the, um, I believe it would be microwave technology and parking sensors. You know, that works really well on a car. I can't personally see why that shouldn't work on a, on a gate. Okay. Um, but as yet, I'm not aware of anyone that's doing that. So like a reverse sensor on your car, something along that line of yeah. technology that could be, yeah, could that be used? Yeah, sees people, sees objects um, from a way away. And if you think of it in the context of your car, it gives you a green light when you're close, a yellow light when you're close, and a red light when you're too close. Now that would be slow down, really slow down stop in my view. One of the potential new advances is, is a default universal opening device for all communal gates for the emergency services. What are your views on that? Clearly the fire brigade particularly need to um, have access to, to any property and there is a legal requirement for that. Uh, so interlinking gates or automation with uh, fire alarms makes perfect sense. Um, having something that's universally available for the police and the ambulance, nice thought, I'm not quite sure how you do it. Uh, I know that in, uh, in the States and in parts of in, in France, th there is a kind of a universal system available. Right. And um, maybe something like that could be could be looked at in the future to, rather than having a site-specific answer to each communal gate, that there is a universal, a universal adaptable. I'd certainly be very interested to see uh, something on that. Um, the only concern I would have is if you take the fireman's key switch uh, that's currently used, you, know, you can buy those on eBay for 50p and all the delivery drivers have them a standard kit. Yes, um, but may it get back to the point that Gates are predominantly a convenience product as opposed to Fort Knox. I would argue with you on that. I think it's a 50 50. Okay. Um, automatic gates clearly improve the security around a property. Um, now, whether that's a byproduct of wanting to keep your kids safe or your dog safe, uh, I don't think there's any doubt they do keep you secure. Um, and equally, some people do want the security, um, and that's why they would have a gate or automation on a gate. And having celebrated 10 years of growth with GateSafe, where do you see the organisation in the next 10 years? I think this comes back to some of the things we've touched on earlier. In an ideal world, we would like every gate um, that was installed and maintained to be done by a, a GateSafe installer as a, a mandatory requirement. Uh, and that's something we'll be striving for. You know, in the last 10 years, we have had a number of successes working with um, key opinion formers and the like, uh, and that's something we'll be building on. Um, but, you know, that has got to be the end game to make sure that gates are um, installed and importantly maintained, because that's a number of, where a number of the um, accidents have happened, poor maintenance. And do you have any advice for any young entrepreneurs who wish to start their own company or a charitable organisation? Have a passion. If you don't have a passion for what you're doing, you won't succeed. You know, at GateSafe we do have a passion for keeping uh, people safe. Uh, and it's as simple as that. 
it's not a nine to five job, it's a, a job that's helping protect children and um, unfortunate people that come into contact with, you know, unsafe gates in whatever form that takes. And finally, how do people get in touch with GateSafe? You can look up the website, which is gate-safe.org, or you can call us on 01303 84011 uh, or email info at gate-safe.org. And uh, we will also put up a link on our description um, with today's interview. Thank you very much for your time and uh, much appreciated and uh, a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Richard Jackson. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, I am your host as always, Pori Canavan, and um, you know I definitely found that very intriguing. Um, it was great to talk to, to Richard and uh, I thank him for his time. And you know, to anybody that is in the gate automation industry or access control industry, you know, you could do a lot worse than um, sign up and um, avail of the training that, that GateSafe offers. And just a reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Black Box Security Solutions, a leader in supplying access control equipment in Ireland and the UK. And for further information, please log on to blackboxsecuritysolutions.co.uk. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and like. Uh, thank you very much for your time and we look forward to our very next episode.